When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Welcome, everybody. It's Eddie Trunk, and it's time for another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, which is new every Thursday via podcastone.com. And, of course, iTunes. Thank you for downloading, streaming, and checking it out. Much appreciated. Got a great interview for you, as always, this week. Hope you enjoyed last week with Ian Gillen. And I've got more Deep Purple to bring you in the coming weeks. I've got a great one with Ian Pace talking about all ver- all eras of uh, Deep Purple. And also one with Steve Morse that I will hopefully post soon. As usual, as I always tell you, the interviews you hear on the Eddie Trunk podcast are courtesy of my daily show on Sirius XM 106 volume, heard every day, Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, replaying every night, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern, and always available on the Sirius XM app. The channel is called Volume, it's channel 106, the show is called Trunk Nation, and you get a very small sample of what I do on a daily basis on that channel here on the podcast. So I try to spread it out as best I can for you and bring you a little um, a little taste of some of the things that we're doing there with the hope that if you are not already a listener, you will come on board. And I do understand, too, we have a lot of folks outside of the U.S. and Canada who can't get Sirius XM, so for you, you get a little taste of those interviews and see what's going on. And much appreciated for you listening, as I just mentioned. So this interview that we're going to get into this week, I did this while I was in Mexico on tour with Deep Purple, but it had nothing to do with the tour or Deep Purple. I got a phone call and had a phone conversation with Jakey Lee, who everybody knows is the former guitar player from Ozzy's band and was in Badlands and was largely MIA for years Jakey Lee was one of the biggest whatever happened to you guys I would get calls about on a regular basis all the time. And I actually tracked Jake down a number of years ago in Vegas, where he lives, through a friend named Ron Mancuso. And at the time, Ron was working with him and really took Jake under his wing and really helped him out greatly. And 
was a part of the first Red Dragon Cartel record as a producer and a writer and a bass player on the tour. And then the two of them had a falling out, and Ron is no longer involved in Jake's affairs. But Jake, uh, Ron was my first connect to Jake, and if you were a watcher of that metal show back in the day, the first thing that we did, one of the first things we did, or Jake ever did, was we featured him on a little walk-by on the set with us during that metal show. And it got people going crazy because they were like, wait a minute, how come you don't do more with them? How could you just have them walk by? And then the next season, we had Jake come on and talk for the first time. I've had him on my radio shows many times. He released that album. He did a bunch of touring. And there was still a little bit of concern whether he was going to continue or not. You know, he'll be the first to tell you. One of the things I do love about Jake is he's unbelievably honest and unfiltered. And one of the first things uh, he'll tell you is he doesn't know how long he wants to keep doing this, this sort of comeback that he's been on. So I was a bit surprised when I heard he was even doing a second record with a slightly revamped band and direction for his group, Red Dragon Cartel. That record is now out. It is called Patina, and it features the same singer on much of the material that Jake did initially, a guy by the name of Darren James, who had a famous crash and burn first appearance with Jake, which we talk about in the interview. And he has a new rhythm section. Anthony Esposito is bass player, best known for being on the first Lynch Mob record, more recently played in Ace Frehley's band, and also on drums, Phil Verone, best known for being a drummer in Saigon Kick. And at one time, he was also a member of Skid Row and for a long time did porn. <laughs> So, I mean, he may still, I don't know. So, Verone and Esposito, the rhythm section, sounds like it could be like an Italian bakery or something, and uh, Darren uh, back on singing, and uh, of course, Jakey Lee on guitar. So, the new record is out now, and Jake has announced some tour dates, and we did an interview to talk about all of this. I was in Mexico at the time. And this was broadcast on Sirius XM, and it's pretty interesting because there's some really revealing interesting things in this interview. And as you're about to find out, Jake, I mean, look, I'm nocturnal, but Jake is ridiculously nocturnal, meaning he doesn't wake up to like 5, 6 o'clock Pacific time every day in the afternoon. So he had to wake up at the uh, godforsaken early hour of like 1130 in the morning his time to do this interview. And when we first started, it sounded like he was going to be like really not into it. And we know each other and everything. So I was going to beat him up about it. If he gave me a lot of one word answers, but man, did he warm up quick and wake up quick to the point that even at the very end of the interview, I hold him over for a third break because he wanted to come on and clarify some comments he had said about Ingve Malmsteen which are unbelievably unfiltered in this ultra-sensitive PC world we are living in, which I am, as everyone knows, not a fan of. So I was shocked when Jake was this into it and this open and this willing to just let his feelings go as he usually does. We talk about also in this interview Badlands, which I'm asked about all the time, and the mystery surrounding the fact that those first two albums to this day are still unavailable. 
And we, I, I talked to Jake on the record about that for the first time. Jake also reveals in this interview his decision to no longer play Aussie material live with Red Dragon Cartel. He had been doing Bark at the Moon and a couple other tracks. So there's a lot of good stuff to get into in this interview with Jakey e. Lee, and we will do that in just a second. Remember, you can connect with me on social media, at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, where I'm most active, Instagram, Facebook as well. There's the fan page, and you can also visit eddietrunk.com. Every minute, every day, we are updating music news for you. My appearances are on the homepage, and you can also uh, check out uh, Merch Store. Holidays are here. Maybe you want to buy a cool shirt or something for someone. And books, if you'd like signed copies of my books, you can only get the first, uh, I'm sorry, the second book. First book is now temporarily out of print, but if you'd like to order signed copies of volume two of Essential Hard Rock and Metal, hit the books tab on the site. Speaking of appearances, which are listed on the homepage, I'll be headed back to Tulsa this weekend. I'll be at the IDL Ballroom once again, hosting the final show of 2018 at that venue. L.A. Guns and Junkyard are performing. Should be a great time. If you're in Tulsa, hope to see you this Saturday at the IDL. Tickets at the door or at Stubwire. And then my final trip of the year is the uh, following weekend, the weekend of the 15th. And I'm shooting an episode of season two of my Access TV show Trunk Fest in Vail, Colorado, where I've never been before. There is uh, something up there called Snow Days, which is not really a hard rock thing at all. But again, this TV show, Trunk Fest, is about the settings, the environments, the scene, not so much about the bands and who's playing. So I am headed to the snow and to Vail. I don't ski, never been to Vail, but I'm going there to uh, check it out and to shoot an episode of Trunk Fest. Season two will premiere sometime next summer covering all sorts of music festivals around the country. Looking forward to that. And then stationary in Jersey for the holidays before ramping right up to things in January, which will include uh, the NAM show and Monsters of Rock Cruise and Cruise to the Edge and on the Blue Cruise and hosting the Heavy Metal Hall of History in Southern California and a bunch of other stuff as we slam right into 2019 hard with a bunch of cool things going on. So keep an eye on that social media. I'll let you know everywhere I'll be. As it happens, like I said, I am most up to the second and most active on Twitter and uh, occasionally post some cool photos on Instagram. Again, just my name. And there is a fan page also on Eddie Trunk, uh, simply at Eddie Trunk on Facebook. All right, so let me get a break here and we'll come back and talk to Jakey Lee on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, if you or a loved one get leg or foot cramps, you know how painful and disruptive they can be. Muscle cramps, they can jolt you out of a sound sleep or interrupt your daily life. Well, listen carefully because recently I've told you about and learned about TheraWorks Relief. That is a non-greasy foam that's proven to relieve muscle cramps fast and reduce muscle soreness. Plus, with daily use, TheraWorks Relief can even prevent muscle cramps before they start, so you can get a full night's sleep and do the activities you love without worry. TheraWorks Relief, it only takes minutes 
to apply. It absorbs quickly and it truly works. People love the results. You've probably seen Dr. Drew Pinsky on TV talking about TheraWorks Relief. Many of my colleagues on radio, they are also talking about TheraWorks Relief. And now the holiday season, it's around the corner. So if you know someone who suffers with muscle cramps or muscle soreness, can't think of a better gift than TheraWorks Relief. It is the choice for preventing and relieving muscle cramps. Make it yours. Get TheraWorks Relief today in the pain relief aisle at Walmart, CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens, or by talking to your pharmacist. Learn more at TheraWorksRelief.com. New to Podcast One, it's Just Between Us with Bailey Madison from The Good Witch. I'm a great godmother. (laughs) Wow. And her sister, Caitlin Riley. What project have you done (laughs) that your older supportive sister cannot remember? Two sisters with a 13-year age gap navigating the ups and downs of life together. Things we're both bad at. Dancing. Oh, yeah. Is that what you were going to say? I was going to say dancing. As they open up their lives to you with family stories and lessons, check out Just Between Us each week on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcast. Hey, if you guys like my show, you're going to love the Jordan Harbinger show on Podcast One, along with Jason DiFilippo. Jordan taps into the wisdom of the world's top performers, from intelligence operatives to legendary musicians, iconoclastic writers to visionary change makers, to teach you the strategies and insights of the most successful to use in your everyday life. Check out the Jordan Harbinger Show every week on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcast. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Without further ado, my conversation, and it's a good one, you're going to love this, with Jakey Lee. Enjoy. Jake, what's happening, brother? Oh, hey, Eddie. Yeah, it's been a while since we've talked. It has been. It's been, and it's been a while since you were one of the whatever happened to guys. Now everybody knows where you are at. <laughs> uh, I miss you've got, those days. You've been doing. You've been doing stuff. How, how's yeah, it feel to be doing yeah, stuff again for the last few years? You're gonna have to help me out here, Eddie. I'm. This is. I'm. This is early for me. <laughs> I mean. Uh, and uh, I might be a little grumpy. <laughs> well, all right. Well, I know. Yeah, it's eleven thirty. You, you. What time do you usually wake up, Jake? Uh, um, three, four, something like that in the afternoon. I try to avoid mo- most of the day. <laughs> I thought I was nocturnal, man. You're way more nocturnal than I am. But uh, well, I appreciate you waking up this early. But obviously. You've got a record to promote called Patina. Tell us about this record coming together. It's uh, What did you want to set out to do with album number two with Red Dragon Cartel differently than the first? You have different band members, a little bit of a different direction. Tell me about you know what your goal was in making the second record that you wanted to change maybe from the first. Uh, yeah, my main goal was uh, just to do it uh, just to do it the way I'd, I'd um done previous albums the uh, the first Red dragon cartel was sort of a an experiment for me it was a uh, the process was alien for me it was, it was more of a modern uh uh production process um <clears throat> whereas i would i would go in the studio and uh you give me a click track i put down some ideas and then from there uh kevin would bring in a drummer 
then you bring in a bass player, bring in a singer. It was um, more of a layering kind of a thing. More of a, I was never in the room uh, with any of the other musicians at the same time, which was odd for me. Um, and, I mean, it worked out great. I, I think the first album's a good album, and uh, it's just not uh, the way I was used to doing things. And, and with this new record, I wanted it to be done more the old-school way, where the songs were being written with the band present and, um, and recording it uh, more as a band. I mean, you don't actually do uh, live recordings in the studio, but... When we're putting down the drum tracks, the rest of the band is there playing with him, you know, doing scratch tracks. And um, it just, I feel like this album, uh, it sounds like that. It sounds more uh, cohesive and uh, more like a band. Um, and it's just, uh, I think it came out really good. I, I just, that my only, my only, um, end result that I wanted for this record was to be able to do it the way I'd always done it in the past and um, go out, oh, well, that sounded cryptic. <laughs> I, I treated the album like it would be my last ever. And and it doesn't necessarily mean it is, but I don't think that's a bad approach for anyone to take, uh, feeling like this could be the very last thing they ever do. Um, and and, and I, I'm proud of this record. You know, the other thing about it is obviously the first record had some guest singers on it and you had different people singing on different tracks along with Darren on some tracks as well. The 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 uh, ups and downs of your singer, Darren James, who is on, to my knowledge, the entire record for Patina, really making it more of a band thing. Uh, that it, It's interesting. Talk a little bit about him because, man, Jake, I mean, that's a guy that went through some real ups and downs with you. I mean, I know he's a drummer by trade. I hosted the first ever live show you did at the Whiskey with him, which everybody knows was a disaster, and he got destroyed. You hung with him. Then he was let go. Then he came back. Now he's you know fully on a record. I mean, talk a little bit about the decision to continue working with him and where you're at with him these days. Well... Well, yeah, um, I tried to get rid of him, but because of popular demand, I was pretty much forced to have him back in the band. Um, okay, that was sarcasm. Uh, he, um, <laughs> yeah, that, that first whiskey show. Uh, I, you know, I'm, uh, to tell you the truth, a little bit proud of that show now, because it's, it's, uh, it's infamous now for just, how horrible things can be <laughs> and um hey if i'm going to set any records i i you know i'll take it any way i can but yeah he um that first show uh and it was tough for him after that uh cuz it was a horrible show and it mostly fell on his shoulders it uh everybody wanted me to fire him um and but he I knew he was a good singer, and he just uh, needed another chance. And, and slowly, I think, he won some people over. But it's hard to get past that first impression. Um, but I knew he could sing. Uh, it's, hmm. Anyway, so I kept him in the band. And uh, eventually we uh, disagreed about something. Um, it's not important what it was. But uh, we had a disagreement, and uh, so 
rather than uh, try to work it on the road, which is hard to do uh, when you're on a bus with someone 24-7 and, and you're getting on each other's nerves anyway, I thought it was better for him just take a break. I didn't fire him, and he didn't quit, but we agreed that it was best for him to take a break and uh, we'd finish the tour without him, uh, at which point uh, I had four singers available, and I uh, gave them all equal time. It, was, uh, it wasn't a hiring-firing process, which I guess on the surface it looked like, but it, it was never that. We had four singers, and I gave them each, uh, I don't know, 10 shows or 10 days, something like that, uh, to come out on the road and and sing with us and for me it was uh exciting it was um maybe not exciting but entertaining let's put it that way uh because we didn't really know what we were going to get and basically we'd have one day of rehearsal before we'd have to do a show with the new singer and um and you just really didn't know how how it was going to work it made it, it it made it a little more interesting for me I mean, for example, uh, Paul Death, uh, who came in, he, uh, he, uh, not a typical rock singer, and I do remember once on stage, uh, we were doing High Wire, and, uh, you know, we'd, we'd gone through it quickly in rehearsals, um, I still thought he was gonna at least give the, uh, the, uh, vocal break a shot, <laughs> where the band stops, and Ray would would sing High Wire uh, on right. his own, um, rather spectacularly. <laughs> so we're doing it live, and Paul Death does a great Frank Sinatra impression at that point. Um, <laughs> it, it came out pretty much like, High Wire! <laughs> and, and it took me by surprise. I turned to him, I said, what was that? I said, do it again, please, do it again. And so I did it again <laughs> before we went into this, to the song. But, uh, and I, I don't know. It, it made it interesting for me. And going back to the question, um, yeah, so we had four singers plotted out to replace Darren. And eventually Darren and I uh, smoothed over our disagreement. And uh, we brought him back in towards the end of the tour and um, things have been going great with him since. And and I think on the new record, if people give him a chance, he's 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 a much better singer than you would think from listening to the Whiskey Show. And uh, I I think he's just a great singer anyway. Well, I was one of those guys that did not believe you should have cut him loose after the Whiskey. I really felt I was one of the guys vocally defending him and said, look, it was a bad night. It was awful. That's a given. But you know what? It was the first time. A lot of people I don't think realized, which he told me, that he's a drummer by trade. And it was the first time he was ever out front fronting a band. So he was just kind of like, you know, he, he, tr he tried to take the edge off, I guess, by drinking too much. He tried to overcompensate a little too much. And, uh, you know, it happens. But I, I, always, I always thought you should have hung with him. I thought that I agree. He's a good singer. And I just think it was a guy that uh, deserved another shot. And I'm glad you gave let me ask you about the because there are other lineup changes to the band too that you have a new rhythm section with anthony esposito on bass 
who of course played in Lynch Mob and, and other bands, and Phil Verone on drums, who played in Saigon Kick amongst other bands. Talk about changing the rhythm section in your connection with those guys. Uh, well, I'd known Anthony since um, his Lynch Mob days. Uh, that that's the first time I met him, um, and and well, both those guys they're just solid. They're they're known for being just solid groove oriented players, which. Uh, um, which which I think works really well for this record. I wanted I wanted a really solid rhythm section, and um, uh, but they're both they both have that ability to really uh, go places that they you know that normally aren't done on records. I this this record all the songs I I feel like. Uh, have been presented in a way that I've I've always imagined my music being, which is it's uh, you have the groove, you have uh, the solid rock foundation, but then I like to uh, uh, really sprinkle in uh, various seasonings, different kinds of music, throw it in there. I like I like I like surprises, um, and I try to write the music with that in mind. Um, and these guys were uh, great at. At when I'd say, okay, that's great. We've done a good, solid rock track here. Now let's let's do something weird. You know, let's let's turn this thing upside down and see what happens. And uh, they both uh, performed exceptionally on on this record, I think. And I and I'd like to think that they're both um, uh, going to be considered much much bigger hitters in the in the in their fields because of this record. Now that I said that out loud, it sounds like I'm patting myself on the back. Uh, but really, what I'm trying to do is pat them on the back. Yeah, yeah. Let, Jake, let me ask you this. Now, you've been back, like everybody knows, as I was saying at the top of the interview, that you were, you were off the grid for a long time, and then the whole process, we found you, we had you do that cameo on that metal show, then you started coming back, you made that first record. When you look back at, at all that period, what are your thoughts, and do you think, because maybe you hadn't played in so long and you hadn't been out there active in the music world for so long, what were what were some of the biggest surprises for you getting back into music? And do do you do you feel you had some rust to knock off? In other words, do you feel that your playing is better now than it was when you initially started your comeback a few years ago? Ooh, <laughs> um, I'm happier with my playing. I wouldn't. It depends on how you look at it. It's um, when you're a young gun. Uh, you're out there to uh, make a splash, you know, and and that's what I tried to do when I was in Aussie. Uh, I, uh, you know, I wanted everybody to say, "Hey, look at that guy. He doesn't suck." Um, and uh, as you mature, and I know that's sort of a bad word in rock and roll, but I I don't think it is. I mean, uh, it's it's you know, it's what happens with life. You you mature. And I, I don't feel the need to um, show off. I don't. I don't feel like I have to uh, wave my arms around and say, "Look at me!" anymore. I, I, I did that, and now I can uh, concentrate more on being uh, what I consider musical, um, and uh, and that's how I approached my solos on this. I, I know I've read some comments 
uh, on YouTube from uh, the videos we have out where uh, they're sort of uh, uh, complaining that I'm not uh, burning the house down with my solos anymore. And um, I don't, uh, that's not what I'm shooting for. I'm, I'm, I want it to be more musical. I, I can't think of another way of putting it. Uh, but I, um, I um, tell you the truth, I forgot what the fucking question was. Well, well, really what the question was, the fact that I guess where I was going was, had you played a lot in all the time that you were not active, like before the first Red Dragon Cartel, all those years people saying, whatever happened to Jakey e. Lee, were you still playing guitar or did you start to play guitar again when you started making that record and, you know, the, the, the first record? Where did, did you? Did, a lot of times when people don't play for a long time, they have rust to knock off. They have to kind of rediscover their style, their playing. Did you go through any of that or were you always active playing even when you weren't out there in the public? Oh, I was I was still playing. I was, uh, you know, because of uh, the whole computer thing in the '90s and and the, all the software available uh, to you after that. It was I I would just uh, be in my room with my computer and uh, write songs and and play guitar. Um, so no, I didn't feel like there was um, <clears throat> really any rust to knock off and. And I do go for periods uh, where I where I don't pick the guitar up, and and um, I I I like that. I if you practice every day, when you end up on stage, or especially if you're trying to improvise, uh, you you play the same things that you do during practice. It's ingrained in you, and I like. Yeah, I might be a little rustier, but I like. Uh, the the freedom that I get when I pick a guitar after I, if, if I haven't played it for a while and I pick a guitar up and I start jamming it's it's the ideas seem fresher it's it's you're more open to um, to what you hear in your head and less to what's been practiced and ingrained into your fingers uh, so I I appreciate that and, and I. You know, I would say I, I think other people should maybe give that a shot, um, but who am I to say? Uh, but, yeah, I, I still play guitar during all those years. I, I still had a love for the guitar and, and a definite uh, drive to continue to create music. I was, I was doing that on my own. I just didn't think uh, anybody else was particularly interested in hearing it. You know, and that's an interesting thing that you say because I'm on tour right now with Deep Purple and I've been spending a lot of time with Steve Morse who's been in Deep Purple for 25 years and he was saying to me the other day one of the things he wish he's looking forward to 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 doing when he retires is not feeling the pressure to play and practice every day because in his world the way he approaches it he cannot not play every day he feels like use it or lose it and he says if he does not dedicate time every day to practicing still that he feels he loses something so i guess every guitar player has a different approach no and i and with morris yeah he's he's got some some monster technique I'll be right back with more of my conversation with Jakey Lee on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast coming up. This This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast.
Hey, folks, I have told friends about Pluto TV, and they cannot believe it. Pluto TV is the leading free streaming television service. You can watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand, all completely free. Pluto TV never asks for a credit card. You don't even need to sign up to watch free. Plus, Pluto TV is the easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies for free. So what are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again by downloading Pluto TV. You can download Pluto TV for free on all of your favorite devices today, including your phone, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Smart TVs, PlayStation, and anywhere else you stream. Pluto TV is the leading free streaming television service. Watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand all for free. No credit card needed. No sign up. Pluto TV is the easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies. What are you waiting for? You never pay for TV again. Download Pluto TV for free on all of your favorite devices today. This This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. We're back with more with Jakey Lee on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. I am broadcasting as I continue to tour with Deep Purple in Mexico. Jakey Lee is in Las Vegas, and his new album with his band Red Dragon Cartel is out now. It's called Patina. There's also a bunch of tour dates that are starting in February, which we'll talk about in in, uh, just a second. But um, as we continue talking with Jake, Jake, did you know, I know you've uh, played Charvel guitars for a long time. Did you hear what happened to the Charvel uh, uh, facility with the fires and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, yeah, Wayne. Um yeah, that's tragic. That's uh that that is a shame. Um I'm glad he got out all right and and his family's good. Um but yeah, it's a, a little bit of a rock and roll history that's uh it's gone. When did you first come in contact with them and decide to start playing their guitars? Uh well, that would be a uh, way back when I was in Rat and uh, when I had first moved to L.A., uh, my roommate was a, a painter at Charvel. And uh, <clears throat> I had a, my Strat was a, it was stock, it was sunburst. Um, and he thought I should jazz it up <laughs> because back then, I mean, Charvel was the cool guitar. And, and you know, it still is. There's my shout out to Charvel. Um it, it uh, he he said, "Here, give me the guitar for a week. I'll bring it back, and it'll look spectacular." So uh, that is how I first got introduced to Charvel. And uh, once I got an Aussie, um, I approached them because I needed more than one guitar on tour, and uh, that's that's where we started. Yeah, it's uh, it's unbelievable. I saw some of the photos and stuff. Obviously above and beyond what happened with the Charvel uh, factory there, the entire area, obviously. Just uh, I wanted to mention that to you because I know you were obviously one of the first guys that I saw playing that instrument, and it was a, it was a big thing for you at one point in your career. And uh, I think even when you came and did that metal show, somebody from Charvel had come down and given us some shirts and stuff. I, I still have it. So I wanted to mention that to you because it really uh, it's, it's really awful to hear that that entire history was just burned down, man. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but 
you know, it can all be built back up again. It's just uh, pieces of wood. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Charvel's going to be pissed at me about that. Um, Charvel, the best guitarist in the world. There. There you go, Mike. Oh, yes. Yeah. Save that endorsement, Jake. What are you doing, man? <laughs> I got hey, you mentioned, you mentioned when you were in Rat. Do you know that, like, I, I know you're very close with Warren Martini, who isn't in Rat anymore. Are you still, t- have you talked to Warren? And is there any truth to the fact, because there was a rumor for a while, that you were going to replace Warren in Rat? Is there any truth to any of that? No, I I have talked to Warren and uh and he doesn't he doesn't really like to talk about the whole rat thing. He's still he's still in court. Um he's still dealing with uh Bobby Blotzer's uh, fallout and um yeah, when I when I have brought it up, he just he just Jake, I don't want to talk about that. Um and uh, it's a shame. It's a shame cuz to me Warren is rat. And I, Piercy is rat also. I, I don't think it's rat without either one of them. And, um, and like everybody else, I wish they could just patch things up and, uh, go out and, and tour as rat. Uh, yeah. But there's never any truth to that, to that rumor that was spread by Blotzer. Um, it's, uh, I don't know where that came from. Although it, it, it certainly perked my ears up. I mean, <laughs> trying to be outside of myself, that did sound like an interesting prospect for me to come back to Rad after, what, 35 years, something like that. Um, but no, I, I, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be Rat with me in it, and it needs to have a Warren. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it, it's uh, it's amazing. What a great band, but it's amazing the amount of dysfunction and the, the amount of problems that that band has had on so many different levels. And, of course, tragedy with Robin Crosby dying, too, years ago. But still, just the, 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 the lawsuits and the dysfunction and then Stephen having some issues recently and the stuff with Bobby and then now Warren not being in his own band, it's just... It's incredible that that that, that 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 they can just keep shooting themselves in the foot like that. I love all those guys, but it really is tragic in a way. Such a great band, so many great songs. They just cannot make it work for whatever reason. Yeah, and and I don't I don't understand the reasons really. I uh, yeah, it is. It's very sad. It's very sad, and it it's all about the music. I mean, for me, it's all about the music and. And I just feel like you can get distracted with uh, money, and and um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to say. It's I I would love for them to just just be rad again. And I think they work great with Carlos. Carlos is is the best uh, replacement for Robin, and and um, that that version of the band I think is is awesome. And I. Uh, yeah, I really wish I could work their differences out. I, it, in the end, it's about the music, and um, I, I think they've just strayed from that. How did you? Uh, of course, you re- Warren Demartini replaced you in Rat, 
and you are really you guys are really good friends still to this day and as you said Warren doesn't talk I'd love to talk to Warren you just he just won't go on the record with anything but how did you become so close did you know Warren before he replaced you in the band yeah yeah we met in San Diego when I was in a, a local band called Teaser and we were kind of the big band in San Diego uh we played a place called Straight Ahead Sound which you know, it it might have gotten inflated uh, in my mind with, uh, you know, all the years gone past. But uh, we played to, I'm thinking, 500 people uh, every weekend. And uh, and I noticed there's this one kid uh, right in front, always just staring at me when I played. And uh, I introduced myself to him, and it was Warren. He was, I don't know, 15, 16 at the time. And uh, he he just wanted to get together and jam, and and we did, and we became really good friends after that. Uh, when I decided to get out a rat, um, he was he was the guy I told him, look, you know, there's a kid in San Diego, Warren Demartini, fucking awesome player. You guys need to check it out. And I offered Warren uh, a, a couch to sleep on. And uh, we were roommates for a couple of months. I'd show him the rat songs, and no, those were good days. Uh, me and Warren staying up all night. He's he's a night guy too, and we'd stay up until the sun came up and just play. I almost said play with each other. That would that could be taken completely the wrong <laughs> way. <laughs> but but uh, <laughs> no, I, those those were good times, and um, yeah. Was there anything that was done with with Rat with you back then that ended up on the first album on Out of the Cellar? Um. Well, yeah, I played like round and round, and all that wasn't around, was it? No, no, that's Warren's. Um. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Wanted Man. Uh. I used to play with them. Um. Your Direction. I used to play with them. Uh. Uh. I'd say about half that first album I used to play. Um. And I didn't have anything to do with the songwriting, but uh, they're they're mostly Piercy's songs. Uh, he could come up with good riffs. He's he was he's a good guitar player. I mean, uh, rhythm his rhythm playing is really good. Um, he he dropped that once I joined the band. Um, but he used to be he before that point before I joined the band he was the rhythm guitar player in all the earlier versions of Rat. And um, yeah, there and and they didn't really take too much from what I had contributed to the band. I will say, and um, I'm sure Warren won't mind. Uh, what was that song? Secret, secret agent, something like that. Top secret, top secret. That song, mm-hmm. um, I that was my bit in the beginning of the solo. There's a very melodic kind of a, a piece there. Um, and uh, that was my bit. <laughs> and and Warren, bless his heart, he did call me before they recorded it. And he said, you know, I can't come up with anything better than what you did. What you did was perfect. Is it okay if I play your part in the beginning of the solo for that song? And yeah, I said, of course, yes. It, it's, it, and, and like I said, bless his heart for even asking. And um, anyway... 
That's uh, a pretty cool story. Uh, the new Jakey, the new album with Jakey Lee and Red Dragon Cartel is called Patina. It's out now. Uh, tour dates start February 23rd in Reno and continue. Just go to reddragoncartel.com to find out where the band is coming with a slightly revamped lineup this time around. As we mentioned before, Anthony Esposito on bass, Phil Verone on drums, along with Darren James still singing. And you'll be going out there doing the usual mix of stuff, I imagine. Right, Jake? Now two albums from Red Dragon Cartel, some Badlands stuff, some Aussie stuff. It's going to be the same sort of thing you've been doing before, a little bit of an overview of your whole career. No. <laughs> no, it won't. No? Okay. No, no. There, there won't be any Aussie. I, I, I decided that not, not too long ago. I just, it, it's just, it's, we had to do it on the first record because, you know, there was uh, multiple singers, and because of the production style, there was only maybe half that record we could play live, so I had to dig back into the back catalog and uh, Badlands is always comfortable for me. Ozzy, I hadn't played any Ozzy songs in 30 years, and I thought it would be fun, so we threw some of that in there. Um, but it quickly, for me, became uncomfortable to, uh, to play the Ozzy songs. I know I'm, I, I was the guitar player on those songs, and uh, I, I wrote the music, um, and... But it just it didn't feel honest to me. It, it, they're Aussie songs. Uh, despite my contribution to them, they pretty much belong to Aussie as far as I, I'm concerned. And it became uncomfortable for me to do Aussie songs uh, live. And now that we have uh, enough songs that, that we can really concentrate on the Red Dragon Cartel stuff... Uh, I've decided we won't be doing any more Aussie songs. We might throw a couple of uh, Badland songs in there because uh, they're still fun for me to play. Uh, but the new record is really what I think uh, is going to make up most of this set because, uh, as I had said earlier, the way we wrote it uh, as a band, it's just it it applies itself to a live setting so much better and some of these songs are just so uh you know we recorded it as best we could but sometimes it's just not the same as hearing it live um speed bag uh havana those songs i mean when we were playing them as a band before the record they just they just hit you so hard when it's it's a, a live setting um i'm really eager to uh, play them live, and, and that'll make up most of the set. So I probably just fucked myself as far as ticket sales, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but uh, you know. You've never really cared anyway. You, you, I've always, that's what I always loved about you, man. You just let it fly. You don't, it is what it is. But, uh, but it's fascinating that you say that because, as you said, regardless of what credits have read over the years, we all know that you did write those songs, and you were a huge part of those two albums with Ozzy, and there's a, a bunch of people that you know love your playing on that, myself included. But it, it, that's it. I find that really fascinating that you didn't feel comfortable doing it. Is there was there anything else that went on? Is it was it you know maybe some of the the way they've treated you that you kind of feel like I'm, I, I don't want to touch it anymore? Some of the things that maybe that camp has said, or or, or the the fact that you didn't get credit on Bark at the Moon is any of that a factor in all this? No, not a factor at all. It just it just felt. Um dishonest uh well maybe that's too 
harsh a word. It, it's, uh, no, they're, they, they are Aussie songs, and, and I will play them again live, you know, if Ozzy sings. <laughs> if, if I, here, here's my open invitation, Ozzy. Come to one of my shows in one of these clubs, <laughs> and you tell me you want to sing Bark at the Moon, I will play Bark at the Moon. Um, it just, it, it doesn't feel right for me to play those songs. And, uh, and, and that's, that's all there is to it. Is it no, there's nothing legal about it, and uh, nothing uh, uh, on my part that uh, feels like um, I haven't gotten my due. It, it is what it is. Um, but, uh, yeah, no more Aussie songs. Did you, did you, uh, listen to, and you must have, you know, Ozzy's been opening his shows with the song Bark at the Moon lately. And uh, have you, out of, just out of curiosity, maybe gone on YouTube or whatever, and ever looked at how his other guitar players have played the material Bark at the Moon or, or, any of the other stuff you did with Ozzy live, whether it be Zach or whether it be Joe Holmes or whether it be Gus G or any of the guys he's had since you, have you, have you looked and said, I wonder how they're tackling my stuff and kind of, uh, you know, made some assessments on it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, although to be honest, I just Zach, he's the only one, um, I've heard play bark of the moon, um, since me. And, and he does a great job of it. He doesn't, uh, play it, exactly right but why should he um he's zach wild uh and uh, really the thing that struck me the most and this is from a musical point of view is that they're so far they're they're so detuned now it, the the song being played live now is so far down the scale of uh, what it was originally written in that it it sounds kind of weird to me. It uh, um, it doesn't sound exactly right, and that's not through any fault of uh, Zach's. It's just that they uh, every tour they have to tune like down for Ozzy's voice. Bit further down, I'm sorry. What? Yeah, they have to tune down for Ozzy's voice. Yeah, yeah, and you know he's getting old. He can't yeah. do what he used to do. <laughs> but it sounds yeah. kind of odd to me. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see where there's a workaround, but, um, I did, I did through my management, I did offer to, uh, be a participant in this quote, final tour, unquote, of Aussies. Uh, um, I, you know, and, and trying to boost myself also i said look why don't i why don't we have red dragon cartel open for ozzy i uh, you know i think that's a plus all the way around for everybody and in return i'll go on stage and i'll play whatever songs are in his set list that i originally played on i'll go up there and i'll do them with him uh i just see that as a big plus for everybody the fans obviously for me, <laughs> and for Ozzy. And I, you know, it sounded like a great idea to me, but uh, no, no, apparently it wasn't. And uh, they did, I'll give you a little juicy bit here, they did come back with an offer from uh, Red Dragon Cartel to open the uh, New Year's Eve show uh, at the Forum in L.A. And, uh, mm-hmm. and they... Uh, 
they offered me $2,500 to open the show at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. I don't know when <laughs> when the show is supposed to start. I don't know how many bands are on it, but I'm thinking at 5 in the afternoon, we're basically playing to the security and uh, to the vendors. And uh, I took that as a big slap in the face from Sharon. Shocking. <laughs> Shocking. Yeah, yeah, who saw that coming? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I mean, 5 o'clock in the afternoon, I mean, on New Year's Eve, no less, and you just said you don't wake up till 3.30, so I don't know if that's worth getting out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not for 2500 Uh I mean, flights alone for the rest of the band would have eaten that up right away. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Ozzy, I don't know if you heard this, Ozzy recently said in an interview on this very uh, platform on his SiriusXM channel that the one album he would like to go back and remaster and, and make your guitars jump and stand out more is The Ultimate Sin, that he wanted to potentially remix or remaster that because he felt there was great, you did some great stuff on there that people didn't really hear properly. That's what my audience has told me. Are you aware of that, and do you agree with that? I I have heard that, and uh, I do agree with it. It's, uh, um, yeah, that, that I think is probably considered Ozzy's pop album, if if there is such a thing in his catalog, that would probably be the poppiest one. And so much of that was because of the uh, the mix. It's very keyboard heavy. Um, the guitars don't snarl the way I'd like them to. Uh, I could see remixing that. And, um, and I think it'd be very interesting to see just how the album comes out when if it is like that. And, hey, Ozzy, I'd like to be a part of that. I... <laughs> I don't have any problem with Ozzy. I I love Ozzy. I've always loved Ozzy. I mean, I was a huge Black Sabbath fan. My second concert I ever went to was uh, when I was maybe 13 or 14, and it was uh, Black Sabbath uh, on their Masters of Reality tour. And at, to this day, that is one of the... Uh, the best concerts I've ever been to. They're so heavy live, and and um, yeah, I've I I have no problems with Ozzy. And uh, hey, let's mix this uh, ultimate sin thing into a into a good album. Well, and the time to do it would be coming up because I don't know if you know this. Just the other day was the 35th anniversary of Bark at the Moon. So Ultimate Sin is probably a year or so away from having its its 35th as well. So it would be a good way to commemorate it. But, yeah, you know, it's interesting because Ron Nevison did the Ultimate Sin, right? Yeah. Yep. And, and we, I mean, Nevison... Nev He's known for that. I mean, he's known. The reason why people used him, especially at that time, was because he did have that super slick, polished thing and did bring keyboards and synth into it, which was the sound of the time. It was what, what people wanted him for because his track record of getting stuff on the radio. But over the years, you could see how you would want it to be a little a little dirtier. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he um, he he gave heart their their second uh, uh, blooming, so to speak. Um, yeah. But, you know, in my mind, he also castrated them. Uh, 
and and he, you know, he. I'm not blaming him. That's what he did, and hiring him as the producer. You obviously know that's what's going to happen. But uh, yeah, he he. Um, let's remix Ultimate Sin. <laughs> Jake, I'll only keep you a couple more minutes. Um, again, check out the new Red Dragon Cartel record. There's a brand new video for Bitter that just hit as well, which is a lot of fun. You, you, would you guys do that in a in a bar or something in Pennsylvania? I know Anthony lives out that way. Was it was it when you were out by his house or something? Yeah, yeah, it's close to the studio, Obscene Arts, um, that we recorded the album in, and it's a uh, yeah, it's just a nice funky bar. Um, I know we've gotten. Just a little bit of shit about the smoking and drinking, <laughs> but that's, you know, I'm not really pushing the smoking thing in people's faces. It's what I do. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I smoke. And, and it's, it's my fucking video. If I want to smoke in it, I'll fucking smoke. Okay, that got a little, that sounded, <laughs> that sounded a little bitter there. It's just, God, lay off. You know what? I smoke. Period. Um, they're, your, they're your lungs, man. It's, it's, yeah. it's your lungs. I, yeah. You know, it's not news to me, all these people saying, hey, smoking isn't healthy. It causes cancer. Yeah, I, I got the bulletin. I, I know that. And and it's just, let it go. It's it's a fun video. It's, um, you know, and it it's a in fun a video. bar. For fuck's sake, we're drinking, we're smoking, it's allowed <laughs> in that bar, one of the few bars outside of Vegas, which I gotta say, that's one of the reasons I moved to Vegas, you know, I I do smoke, I don't endorse it, I don't, you know, promote it, it's just what I do, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm coming out on 62 years of age now, and I grew up where, ah, that's, <laughs> that's what you that's what all the cool did, cool guys did, you know, Steve McQueen. I, I I can keep on going, but it's, God, lay off. It was a fun video. It wasn't meant to uh, uh, push our dirty little lifestyles on anybody. It's just who we are. And... Um, and and I gotta say, it was it was a little bit of a retaliation against the first video, Havana, where I was smoking. And I got a lot of shit about it. And to be honest, I, I, here, I, I didn't mean to be smoking in that video. It looks like I did, but here's what happened. Uh, we're shooting the video in Anthony's barn, which is an old barn. And uh, the video director, Joe Gorlick, he said, okay, everybody take a break. Before we start shooting again, we've got to reset whatever it is they do on videos. And so I lit up a smoke. I'm sitting there, and, and maybe a minute later, he said, all right, we're, we're good to go. Everybody on one, two, three. And I had a cigarette in my mouth, and I can't just spit it out. It's an old barn. It'd go up in flames. So I had to uh, do the whole take with a cigarette in my mouth. And then after that, for continuity's sake, I said, well, shit, now I've got to have a cigarette in my mouth for all the other takes. Otherwise, there's a cigarette, there's not a cigarette. So that, that, that's why there's the cigarette in the first video. 
for continuity's sake. And that's also why you see different lengths of the cigarette in it. And at one point, it's not even lit because come the fourth or fifth take, I was like, okay, even for me, this is too much cigarette smoking. I can't smoke another cigarette. But so it looks right, I'll have an unlit cigarette in my mouth. And I didn't think it was a big deal, but apparently it was. And uh, the new video, Bitter, (laughs) is a little bit of a retaliation, like uh, kind of a big middle finger, actually. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I just want to, you know. Hey, man, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a, I don't smoke. Smoking. Yeah, I don't smoke, and I'm not a fan of being around it. But then again, last I checked, it's not illegal. So as long as I don't have to breathe it, man, go go to town. I mean, I, I'm not going to judge you for it. But I, I, in the society we're in today, Jake, you can't do anything, man. They'll, everyone will look to pounce at anything you do. It's unbelievable. Um, I want to ask you one last thing before I let you go. You know, you mentioned Badlands a couple times. Everybody loves those two records, the three records. Do, do you, um, you know, you, you're, I've talked to you about this before, but I get calls about it all the time from fans. You are aware that those two records are not and have not been in print forever and will not be in print. And every time somebody licenses them, the license is pulled. You are aware of that, right? Yeah, yeah. And I just uh, talked to my... Uh agent, my publishing agent, uh, a week ago um, about it, and uh, just to look into it, just to see exactly, I would like to know exactly what the reason is, because they've become iconic albums, and and the fact that you can't download it uh, for a while there added to the, uh, to the lore, to the mystery, but now it's just silly. I mean... I, I, if I want to learn a Badlands song, I can't download it on iTunes and and listen to it, uh, and that's a shame. Um, so I, I did ask my agent to look into it and, and give me an exact reason as to why things are the way they are. Um, I might not get that answer because. And legitimately, he asked me to come up with the contracts, <laughs> the uh, uh, publishing and, and and recording contracts from 30 years ago. And I'm not a real good uh, record keeper, so I'm going to try to find those contracts, but chances are I can't. And without that, I don't know how far he can go on it, um, but I am looking into it. I mean, I, I, I've told you this before, and I've been told by the people who have tried to license it and buy Atlantic Records that this was some sort of thing that revolves around Ray's death and some sort of concession to families that were impacted, let's just say, by Ray's uh, activities, and that it was a concession made to those families. And, and I don't know if you've heard that, but I've been told it repeatedly by people because I've looked into it. It sounds because it's crazy. Their records people want so badly. And, you know, twice they have been reissued and twice they have been licensed by other companies. And, and I know the people have done it. And both times within a week of the record being reissued, somebody figures out what they did and Atlantic pulls the license. So, I, I mean, have you been told anything along those lines? Uh, no, not not officially. And it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. Uh Ray was one quarter of the band. Well, you know, re- realistically, he was more than that. But you're talking about 
three other people that you're you're telling right. can't make money off of their production, off of their art, uh, because of something one of them did, did or didn't do. Um, and it, it, it really doesn't make sense to me. I, I can see Atlantic just saying, okay, fuck it, this is more trouble than it's worth, because they have a lot of, you know, they have Led Zeppelin, for Christ's sake. Why would they care if Badlands material is available? Um, I can see that, but it, it doesn't make any sense to me. And if nothing else, uh, give Ray's portion to those people. If you, if you, if you agree with their position and um, want to have some sort of compensation made, let's let the albums come out and give his portion to them. Seems to me to be a, a good compromise. Um, so, yeah, it. I've heard that. I've heard that reasoning. It doesn't really make sense to me. I'm, as I said, I'm looking into it. I'm, I'm very curious myself as to uh, what's going on with that. Well, yeah, they're great records, and they should be heard, and you're right. There are three other people that were in the band, even if that is the factor. So, uh, But I'm asked about it constantly by fans, constantly saying, we can't get these records, how can we get them? And I have them on three different record labels who have done the reissues because the minute I knew they came out, I grabbed them because I knew they weren't going to be out for long. And the people that reissued them and did the license, I said, guys, watch what's going to happen. And like within a week, they called me back, and they said, yep, you're right. They pulled our license. We can't put it out anymore. So it is it is definitely a thing and uh it's unfortunate because as you said they're they're great records and i know they're still a very big part of what you do and and what you did and what you're going to do in these live shows as you mentioned you're going to still do badlands you're not going to do ozzy but that just speaks right there as to how much those records mean to you yeah yeah and and like i said before it it doesn't make sense to me i uh as far as atlantic yes why would they bother with it it's not it's not big money for them. Uh, they they make their money elsewhere, and uh, the licensing deals. Uh, they they probably don't have the money to actually take it to court, um, and uh, you know, in the end, I don't either. <laughs> but but I I would love if that is the reason they're not out there. I would love to uh, talk to the people and just. Uh, you know, come to a a reasonable um, agreement um, for this. It uh, it makes no sense, um, but in the end, it kind of adds to the uh, to the uh, legend, the the infamy. Ah, uh, those are both right. wrong words. Um, uh, to the uh, iconic status, Mystique. they're not available. Yeah. Yeah. Allure. Hey man, so listen, I got to run. I, Allure, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I got to run. I, I, I thank you for all the time, and I, I hope to see you soon. The new album sounds killer. Again, Patina is the name of it from Red Dragon Cartel. Go to reddragoncartel.com. The tour dates are there. They start February 23rd in Reno. You got Agora Hills. You got San Diego, L.A., Vegas. You've got a bunch of dates here all scrolling through. You're going to definitely be busy February, March, at least here in the U.S. with a ton of shows. So go check out Jake doing his thing with Red Dragon Cartel. And I'll see you out there on the road sometime soon, man. Good to talk to you and uh, good luck with everything.
No, it was great talking to you again, Eddie. And you know what? Next time, here's a little teaser. Next time we'll talk Ingve. Ingve. <laughs> oh, on. that's right. Wait, you wanted was... to talk about oh, him the whole time. Come on. Wait a minute. I forgot about that whole thing. You remind now. No, now you know what. I want to what? take a quick break, and I want you to come back and, and say something about that. Okay. I want to give you a platform. I want to give you a platform to to give your version, your your talk, your your position on that. So hold on one minute. We're going to come right back. Another second with Jakey e. Lee. You brought it up, you son of a bitch. So hold on. I forgot. <laughs> My presence. All right. Hold on. All right. We're put, we're put his present to me, he was saying. Jakey e. Lee with his his re, his uh, counter on the Ingve stuff right after this. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Let me tell you guys about Vivid Seats. It is an online event ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that last a lifetime. Everybody wants tickets, right? Everybody wants the good locations, sports, concerts, theater, live events. Well, Vivid Seats, that's your place to go for great prices and an easy purchasing experience. With Vivid Seats, listeners can watch their favorite teams and artists perform in person. Check this out, folks. Check this out. This is awesome. If you go to the app or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app, first-time new customers can enter promo code EDDIE, that's my name, E-D-D-I-E, to receive 10% off your order. All Vivid Seats confirmed their orders are backed by a hundred percent guarantee. So you know you're getting the seats, you're not getting screwed around. It's the way to go to make sure you're getting the real deal. Again, just go to the app store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Enter my name Eddie E D D I E in the promo code, and you'll get ten percent off your first order. That's the way to go when you're looking for tickets. Go to Vivid Seats. It's the top source. For tickets for all the live events you want to go to, you can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice. Most importantly, don't forget, use my name, Eddie, E-D-D-I-E, in the app, 10% off your first order at Vivid Seats. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. We're back with more with Jakey e. Lee on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. You had done another interview or whatever, and you basically said Ingve was like a shit guitar player or something. I'm paraphrasing. But take me through it, Jake. What do you want to say about this? Because I'm curious to hear. I never said he was a shit guitar player. I don't question. What did you say? What happened? He, uh, I don't remember how it came up. As you know, uh, doing interviews, you get the same questions. Over and over, um, I'm a couple of dozen interviews in, and for some reason, Ingvay came up, and it was a, you know, it was a left turn that I relished because it wasn't your standard question answer, um, and I won't say I regret it. I stand by everything I said, and I never questioned his his abilities as a guitar player. Really, he's. He's a phenomenal guitar player. Um, 
I I question his person, his being. He's uh and like I said, I I I, I kind of wish I never said it. Um, but he's an arrogant asshole. You know, he is. Everybody in the industry knows it. Um, nobody really says anything, and I, I brought it up, and I shouldn't have, because um, it's a personal opinion, and it probably should have stayed personal. But no, but, he's but one let, of me those ask you, let, let me ask you this. No, well, wait, let me ask uh, you let this. Let me finish. Is... I just, I, because okay, I want okay. to give him props okay, where, where he deserves it. He's one of those rare guitar. I, I love, I love sloppy rock and roll guitar players. Jimmy Page, Joe Perry, Ace Frehley. They're, yeah, they're a little sloppy, but that's that's a part of their charm. That's that speaks to me. It, it's it's passionate and it moves me. And then you have your technical players, um, and those are they're cool too. And then occasionally. You have the rare guy that that has the fire, uh, the fire of a Johnny Winter, and the technical proficiency, uh, all balled up into one. Um, my ultimate example being Uli Roth. He he's amazing. His, his technical abilities are amazing, and he still plays with such fire and passion. And I put Ingve in that category. I'm not backtracking here. I never, I never said he sucked as a guitar player. I don't think his rhythm playing's all that great, but but his his soloing is it's uh, no. I, there's no question there. He's 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 a phenomenal guitar player. I he's he's an asshole. He's an asshole, and uh, <laughs> and on does that come from does that come from a personal with him? Oh, I'm sorry. On behalf of all the people that have played with him that I've spoken to and all the uh, uh, technicians and crew that I personally know and have heard all these stories about him, I, that's, that's where I'm coming from. And I'll tell you, because uh, my wife Amy, she works as a bartender in a bar. A uh, couple of days after that interview came out, I went to her bar and there's a lot of people in Vegas here that uh, that work as technicians, riggers, uh, lighting, uh, sound. Uh, I didn't have to buy a drink all night because they were buying me drinks because they they loved what I said about him. And it's about his it's about his person, not about his abilities. Do you have any personal experience with him? That like everyone knows that he was certainly like that early on in his career and for a while after. But in recent years, I mean, I know him, and I've, I, again, I to deal with him like others would in that capacity. So I've never personally had a problem with him. I've always had a, a fine relationship with him. But did you ever, and I think he's gotten better and worked on that as he's gotten older uh, that I've seen. I've even talked to him about it. But do you? But did you have a personal uh, thing with him? Did you ever, did you meet him? Do you know him? Did you have something that personally happened uh, that you directly experienced with him? Yeah, yeah, it was a very brief encounter. Um I think it was it was pretty uh, pretty soon after I had joined Ozzy. And I think uh, it was in LA. He was playing <sighs> No, he wasn't playing. He was backstage where there was some band playing and uh at a club and uh we were introduced and um I mean, it wasn't bad, but 
he looked at me and said, oh, I saw you play in Sweden, which was maybe the second show I had played with Ozzy. And the first show was a disaster. I, I, I've gone into that in other interviews where it was just, it was not my fault, but the, uh, I could see where people thought I was the worst guitar player in the world because of uh, other things that happened for that first show. The second show, I think, was in Sweden, and I was just getting my footing. And uh, anyway, he said he saw, he saw the show in Sweden. I said, oh, well, you know, I hope it didn't piss you off too much. Do you want a refund? And he, <laughs> he looked at me and cocked an eyebrow and said, eh, it's okay. <laughs> Which I think we just lost Jake's phone. All right, one more break. We just J- Jake's phone died on us. I believe I wouldn't be surprised if his battery died because he was on a landline uh, cordless phone. So anyway, we'll try to get Jake to finish off his story. What a great interview this is. We'll we'll get the capper as soon as we come back if we can reconnect with Jake. This, this is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Well, every car comes with its share of stories. The ding in your bumper when you nervously picked up a first date, the luxury package you got after a big promotion, or the mileage you saved by riding your bike all summer. While you can't put a price tag on your stories, now with True Car, you can at least find out what your car's worth when it's time to sell or trade it in. Just go to True Car, simply enter your license plate number, and watch how your car's details pop up. Then answer a few questions, navigation and moonroof, watch as they bump up your value. High mileage, you already knew it was going to cost you, right? But now you know how much it dings your wallet so you can plan ahead. Once you're finished, you'll get a true cash offer sent in minutes, which you can take to a local certified dealer to cash out or trade in. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. True cash offer, not available in all areas. Hey guys, it's Jack Vanek from The Lady Gang, and I'm sitting here with true crime TV producer and my best friend, Alexis Linkletter, and we are so excited that we are finally launching our true crime podcast called The First Degree right here on Podcast One. And each week, we are going to bring you the craziest true crime stories and talk to the people who are one degree away from each of these crazy events and we've dragged crime journalist billy jensen along for the ride and he can't get rid of us join us on the first degree every wednesday on podcast one.com and the pc one app also remember to rate and review Theraworks relief i've been telling you about it i got it sitting right on my counter in my bathroom if you or a loved one get leg or foot cramps you know how painful they can be. I had one that woke me up out of a sound sleep, and it is brutal. It can interrupt your daily life and really, really make you uncomfortable. Check it out. TheraWorks Relief, a non-greasy foam that's proven to relieve muscle cramps fast, and it will reduce muscle soreness. And with daily use, TheraWorks Relief can even prevent muscle cramps before they start, so you can get a full night's sleep and do all the activities you love without worry. TheraWorks Relief. It only takes minutes to apply. It absorbs quickly, and it truly works. People love the results. So check it out. You've probably seen Dr. Drew Pinsky on TV talking about TheraWorks Relief, and many of my colleagues on radio are also talking about it. TheraWorks Relief. Now the holiday seasons, they're right around the corner, so if you know someone who suffers with muscle cramps or muscle soreness, 
How can you possibly get them a better gift than some relief from pain? TheraWorks Relief, it is the choice for preventing and relieving muscle cramps. Make it yours. Get TheraWorks Relief today in the pain relief aisle at Walmart, CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens, or by talking to your pharmacist. Learn more at TheraWorksRelief.com. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. We're back with more with Jakey Lee on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. Sorry about that, bud. The uh, phone's crashed on us, but we're back now. So you were just saying about Ingve, your personal experience with him. <laughs> Are you sure it wasn't Ingve that crashed the phones? <laughs> <laughs> yes, the maestro pulled the plug. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know where we were um, when, when you were just saying in Sweden, you had a bad show with Ozzy, and oh. you said you want a refund or something like that. Yeah, yeah, and he just he said no, that's okay, and it, it, it that's my personal experience with him, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't that bad, but just from all the people that I know that have worked with him, and and uh, you know, it's uh, I've heard stories, and I remember reading an interview where he said the reason that he is not considered the giant musical genius that he is, is because his music is too sophisticated and it goes over people's heads. Now, that right there, right there, it just gives me pause, you know? It's, um, anyway, I think, I think I've expressed what I, I, what I think about Ingve, and, and it's, like I said, it's nothing about his guitar playing. It's, it's about his being. And maybe he is a nicer guy now i don't know um you say it is and we've had him we've had him on i I gotta wonder whether it's for his image or if it's a true change of heart yeah well he's out now touring with steve Vai on that generation x thing and he's been you know he's traveling on a bus with all with four other guitar players i mean we had him on that metal show and he was really great he he really worked with us on some things i've spoken to him a lot in like the last 10 years and i've even brought this up to him i said you know it seems like you've gotten mellower in your older age he said yeah he even mentioned to me he goes yeah i thought you know i thought about that and i i have and so i i mean i i look the stories from back in the day are endless but but uh, the the guy that he is now, I, I don't know if it's quite you know what it once was, and I and I hope it, it's it's not. So who knows? Maybe there's a Red Dragon Cartel Ingve Malmsteen tour somewhere down the line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, um, hey, I'd be I'd be up for that. And and you know, yeah, people can change. Um, and uh, I apologize if if I've. Uh, judged him on his past and not his present. Jake, I appreciate the time, man. Again, Patina, the new album, is out now. The tour dates, go to reddragoncartel.com to see them all. There's a bunch of them. Wherever you are in the country, go try to see Jake and the band out there on the road doing uh, stuff from the last two Red Dragon Cartel records and some of that Badlands stuff, too. It might be the only way you can hear the Badlands stuff is if Jake plays it live, unfortunately. So go check that out as well. Good talking to you, man. Have a good Thanksgiving. I hope to see you soon, all right? All right, thanks, Eddie. And it's, yeah, it's always fun to talk to you. All right, man. I'll I'll uh, I'll either see you at a show or I'll look you up when I'm in Vegas next time. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Do you have one second here? 
I got like literally have like thirty seconds. Okay, when the phone's disconnected, I got my next uh, interview. She called, and she's English, and she sounded just like Sharon Osbourne. She's hello, is Jake Lee there? And I swear to God, I thought it was you guys pulling a prank on me. But, but, it, but it was the next interview, and I, that really threw me for a loop. Anyway, okay. I'll see you later, Eddie. All right, man. Take it easy. All right. Well, my thanks to Jakey Lee. Great conversation with Jake. Unfiltered, uncensored, raw, letting it fly. And, uh, man, interesting stuff and interesting perspectives. And you don't hear people that unfiltered in today's world all that often. Give him credit for, you know, even if I don't agree with him, give him credit for, you know, having the balls to say it in the in the day and age we're in today, where everything is so sanitized and everybody is so easily offended. Jakey e. Lee letting it rip on a bunch of stuff. His new album is out now called Patina with Red Dragon Cartel. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Back next Thursday for another all new episode of the Eddie Trunk podcast, which is produced by Katie Irizarry. Again, follow me on Twitter at Eddie Trunk. Instagram, fan page on Facebook, also just my name, and eddietrunk.com is the official online home. If you're in Tulsa, see you Saturday at the IDL. Everybody else, catch you back here next Thursday or hopefully every single day, live 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time on Trunk Nation on Sirius XM 106 volume. Don't forget, if you can't listen in the live window, that show replays every night, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern, and is also available on demand every day on the SiriusXM app. Have a great week, everybody. Catch you next Thursday for another all-new episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, podcastone.com, and, of course, iTunes or anywhere you get your podcasts. It's MMA fighter Chael Sonnen. Check out my podcast, You're Welcome, with Chael Sonnen every Wednesday and Friday right here at Podcast One. We cover the latest in mixed martial arts and everything else going on in the world of sport. Listen free to You're Welcome with Chael Sonnen, exclusively available at PodcastOne.com and on the Podcast One app. If you love the show, share it with a friend and leave us a rating and review. 
need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.